You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is He's Not Done Yet. He's not done yet. He's not done yet. I want to remind you today that if you go and you're worried about what's happening in this world, that you go read Revelation. You go read the end of the the book and find out what happened. Because in Revelations, it talks about God still being on the throne and Him still being worthy, Him still being holy, Him still being in control, Him still making the earth His footstool. And so if that's happening at the end of time, then that means we're not at the end of time. And if He's still sitting on His throne at the end of time, He's still sitting on His throne right now. He's still in control. He's still moving and maneuvering the people and the angels that He needs to help us and protect us and keep us safe. So I want to remind you today that he is not done yet. And the passage that we're going to be reading from is the whole chapter of Psalms 27. It's 14 verses. We're going to read through that. We're going to start uh, Psalms 27 verses 1 through 3. The first scripture says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light in my salvation. He's not done being your light yet. He also says that you are the light of the world. And that where there is light, there can be no darkness. First John tells us that. That right now, you might see darkness all around. You might be listening to the news. You might be hearing things about your family, your friends, your jobs, all these things. And you say that there is darkness all around. But at the very beginning, I want to remind you that he's not done yet being your light and your salvation. You might have got saved 50 years ago. He's still your salvation today. You might have got saved five minutes ago. He's still your salvation. And because we can stand confidently on the beginning of Psalms 27 verse 1, look at the next part of the verse 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. That when I'm weak, when emotionally I'm drained, when mentally I'm drained, when I'm tired, when I'm, when I'm not up to my full ability, it says here that the Lord is the strength of your life. Look at verse 2. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, what did they do? They stumbled and they fell. Boy, doesn't this scripture sound very close to what we're going through right now. That when the wicked comes against you, and it's trying to eat up your flesh, this virus that we can't see, that's trying to attack this world, when it tries to do that, it says in the scriptures in verse 2, that those enemies and those foes, they stumbled and they fell. Verse 3 says, though an army may encamp against me, we talked about this last week, that we believe that this spirit of fear has tried to take up an army and just encompass the world with all kind of negativity, with all kind of words that can, that can be fearful. We can read articles, we can watch the news, we can just talk with people, and it's fear, 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 fear that seems to encamp around this world. But the Scripture says here that my heart, it's not going to fear. Though the enemy encamps all around me, I choose today my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this 
I will be confident. He's not done yet. The first thing that I want to remind you that he's not done yet is he's not done protecting you. He's not done protecting you. Look at verses 1 through 3. As he tells us that he's, his, he's our light, he's our salvation, we shouldn't fear, he's our strength. Why should we be afraid? Our heart's not going to fear. In this, we're going to be confident. What am I going to be confident in? I'm going to be confident that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, if you're at home, say, in me. He's done a good work in me, amen? That he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I go out in the morning, and, and I take my puppy out to, to use the bathroom, and as far as I can tell, Jesus hasn't come back yet. I go look in the sky, I haven't seen him come back yet, and that reminds me, I take the puppy out at night, I take him out in the morning, go out, look in the sky, don't see Jesus return, okay, he hasn't come back yet, then I can be confident that he's doing a good work and he's not done yet. He's not done protecting me, he's not done taking care of me, he's not done sustaining me, he's not done yet until Jesus comes back and gets me. Or by some chance, I go into the grave. He's not done yet. He's protecting us. Now, when I was younger, and I talked about this before, when I was in college, I worked in a prison. Worked in a prison for two years, and I don't know how big I look on camera right now. I'm, I'm assuming it's pretty big. Uh, but in real life, uh, my muscles aren't as big as they portray on the camera right now. You'll probably be disappointed when you come back to church and see uh, the muscles aren't there. But... Uh, I worked in the prison, and, and every day when I would walk to the, the door of the prison, and I waited for them to buzz me in and unlock the door, I would grab the handle, and I would pray every protection prayer, every protection scripture that I could think of. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that's in me than anything that can come against me in this prison. That I would be a light, that I would be a shining light that would deflect darkness from me. I would just pray everything that I could, and I was there for two years was never stabbed, was never jumped, was never attacked, that God protected me through that whole thing. But in this, I'm confident knowing that if he protected me all the way back in 2008, 2009, when I was in the prison, if he protected me back then, then he's going to be faithful that he'll continue to protect me going forward, that he'll continue to, to shower me in his light, in his salvation. So therefore, I don't have to fear. Therefore, I don't have to be afraid. Therefore, I have strength, not in me, but in who's inside of me, in who's covering me and protecting me. I mean, as of now, I'm praying protection over my family. My oldest brother is a doctor. He's a pharmacist, and he's in New York City. He's in the middle of it right now. And I'm praying protection over him. My younger brother is a flight attendant. He's based out of Houston. He's still flying on planes as they're still going worldwide, nationwide. And he's going from airport to airport. And he's flying to New York. And he's flying to these different hot spots and praying protection over him. My dad is still working. And my parents, they're watching right now. But they're living in Louisiana, one of the fastest growing places where this virus is trying to take my, sit, my wife's 
sister is in Charleston, South Carolina. They've been, they've been locked down for two weeks now as they're trying to curve the virus in Charleston. My wife's oldest sister is in California, in L.A., one of the other hot spots, and they've been locked down for weeks already. Believe me right now, this is a scripture that I'm not only preaching to you and your family, I am standing on right now that my family is protected, that no evil shall befall them, that God's light and His salvation is protecting them. Today, you can be confident in the fact that God is your light right now. He's pushing away the darkness. He's pushing away the evil. He's pushing away the sickness and disease. He's your salvation, and He's saving you. Body, mind, and spirit. He's your strength. He's your protector. So you can be confident that He is not done protecting you yet. Family, I want you to know that although this virus seems to be taking over the world, this is not going to be the last time that something like this happens. It says... In the Bible, that, that as we get closer to the end of days, it's going to get worse. But that's okay, because the worse it gets out in the world, the darker it gets out in the world, the brighter we shine with the glory of God, and the brighter we are consumed with the salvation of Him. He's not done yet. He's not done protecting you yet. Let's keep reading, verses 4 through 6. The singer, the songwriter, David, is saying that he's confident in who God is, his light and his salvation. But he's also confident in these next couple of scriptures. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion." In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. The second thing I want to highlight that he's not done yet. He's not done with his church yet. He's not done with his church yet. He's not done protecting you. And he's not done with... His church yet. Yes, all the churches seem to be scattered abroad. All the doors are shut in America. But he's not done with his church yet. When he lets, when the, when the, the nation opens back up and we're available to come back and fellowship with each other, I believe that God is going to bring people, the normal congregation, and he's going to bring people to fill these churches, to fill these altars that they have been cooped up in their house, they have been worried in their mind, and they're going to run to the truth. And that truth is Jesus because he is the one that says he is consumed with grace and he's consumed with truth. And people are going to desire to hear the truth. There's so much false advertisement that's being displayed out there right now that people are hungering for the truth of God and the truth in this world. And where are they going to go? Where can they go? The government seemingly has failed them. The media has failed them. The business world and the economy has failed them. And we are going to be the church we're not going to fail them because God's not done yet. We're going to hold them up. We're going to pray for them. We're going to love on them. And God is going to fill this house. But look at this as David is writing that one thing he's desired, that he will seek, that he may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, to behold the beauty of the Lord. 
and to inquire in his temple. Now look at as David has made this decision that no matter what, he's going to be in the house of God. That no matter what, he sees the importance and the principle and the truth that he can get in the house of God. Look at what God does just from that simple step of obedience of being in the house of God. Verse 5, for in time of trouble, what is God going to do? He shall hide you in his pavilion. What else is he going to do? In the secret place of his tabernacle, he's going to hide you. Look at the end of verse 5. And then he shall set you high. He's going to set you high upon a rock. Wow, just by making the simple steps of obedience, of making the decision of I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to be attached to the kingdom of God. I'm going to be a part of the church of God. God automatically does three things for you. He hides you in his pavilion. In the most secret place of his tabernacle, where nobody else was allowed except for the priest one time a year, he says that he's going to hide you in that secret place of his tabernacle. The holy of holies is where he's going to put you. And then on top of that, he's going to set you high on top of a rock. Now look at verse 6. Look at your response. After he does all these things, what can you do after he does all these things? Verse 6, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Do you see the confidence that when you come to church, when you're a part of the house of God, when you're watching online and you're listening to these different services, that God protects you. He hides you. He brings you into the Holy of Holies. He places you on. And all of a sudden there's this confidence that doesn't come from your mind, doesn't come from your mouth, doesn't come from your heart and your emotions. It comes from out of your belly. It says rivers of living water are going to flow up to where you can confidently stand up and your head is now higher above all your enemies. Because you're no longer looking at those enemies. What are they going to do? Are they going to attack me? Are they going to hurt me? Is this going to hurt? Is this going to kill me? No, no, no. You're looking over your enemies and you're looking at the victory of your Lord. You're looking at the captain of your salvation coming to save you. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices, verse 6, of joy in his tabernacle. So many times we get talked about sacrifices and how we have to whip ourselves and we have to burn ourselves at the altar and we have to do all these type of these uh, negative sacrifices. Well, I've got to give up this. I've got to do this. No, no. The scripture says that the sacrifice that we bring is the sacrifice of joy. Verse 6 says, I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises unto the Lord. He's not done with his church yet. And when you get the song of the Lord in your mouth, it's very hard to start singing the fear of the devil out the other side of your mouth. When you start praising who God is and how great He is and what He's done for you and what He's going to do for you, when you start letting the thanksgiving just overflow out of the mouth, you don't have time to talk about the negativity. My pastor always tells me, if you get so busy talking about and doing the good, you don't have time to talk about and do the bad. That we make a focus in a prioritized idea That no matter what, I'm going to speak the goodness of God. No matter what my surroundings look like, no matter what's happening around me, God is faithful, God is good, God is on my side, God loves me, God's cheering for me, God's standing up for me, God is building His church. And if God's not done with His church yet, I want to remind you that He's not done with you yet. You remember in the Scriptures we talked about two weeks ago that the, the body of Christ... We are the body of Christ, but we are also individual members. It's just like 
when God talked to Abraham and he talked about the, the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky, that when you pick up one grain of sand, it's still attached to the whole beach. If you pick up one drop of water, it's still considered the whole ocean. If you could just grab one star out of the sky, it's still considered a whole part of the universe. I want to remind you today that if he's not done with the full body in the church, he's also not done with his individual members, which is also you. If he's working and building his church, he's still working and building on you. Amen? Amen. Let's keep reading. Verses 7 through 10. As David is continuing on in Psalms 27, he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. The third thing I want to talk to you about when I say that he's not done yet, is he's not done listening and answering your prayers yet. He is still in the listening business. He is still in the answering business. See at the beginning of verse 7 as David is crying out, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. As David is saying, it's not only important that you hear what I'm saying and what I'm praying, it's also important that you answer me, Father. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15, look at this. John's writing another scripture. We've seen this a couple times. In Psalms 27, in verse 4, I'm, uh, yeah, no, verse 3. At the end of verse 3, David says this statement, In this I will be confident. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, we see the beginning part of it. What's it say? Being confident of this very thing. Look at 1 John 5, chapter 14 and verse 15. Now this is the confidence. You see a pattern here? You know what confidence is? Confidence is knowing that you can't be defeated. Confidence is, is having this, this, this spiritual swagger about you, knowing that God is on your side. That you're confident that no matter what comes against you, that God is on your side and you're going to push whatever that is away. Be confident today. Now this is the confidence that we have, not in my ability, not in who I am, but this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. He is not done yet listening and answering your prayers. Even in this time of all the chaos, of all the voices that are being spoken and yelled out aloud, God is still actively listening and wanting to answer your prayers. We see David talking about it as he's asking God. He's bringing this petition to Him to help Him and save Him. Earlier in the week, I was writing an email to somebody, and I sat down and I was typing up this email, and um, I was 
trying to think of the words that I wanted to say. I'm reading it, and I'm deleting it, and I'm, I'm adding my uh, salutations, I'm adding my greeting, I'm, I'm adding my ending, and uh, thank you, and God bless, and my name, and all these things, and I'm reading it, I'm reading it, I'm putting all this time into this email to make sure that it has all the information that I need to send it out. And so I finally get done after five, ten minutes of writing this email, I hit send, And I mean, as soon as I hit send, I get an email that comes back that says, this person is no longer receiving emails. And I thought, well, isn't that a slap in the face? That is, and I didn't have another email contact to reach out to that person. And I thought, man, what do I do now? Because I became so discouraged that I spent all this time writing this email and writing all these words and thinking of what I want to say and what I wanted to convey and what I wanted to do, and immediately... I got a rejection letter. I want to remind you today that that's not who God is. I know sometimes you might feel like you're praying and you're spending all this time talking to God and it just feels like it's hitting the top of the roof and it's just falling right back down to you, that he's not hearing, that he's rejecting your prayers. I want to tell you to pray one more prayer because he's not done yet. He's still listening and he's also still answering. Later on this week, I had to type something up to my wife, an email as we're getting ready for the Easter service, and uh, she asked me to type something up, and uh, so I typed it up. I knew her email. I knew what it was. I didn't take more than a couple of minutes. I typed up what she needed, sent it, knew that she got it, and received it. I just had a full confidence knowing that I knew my wife's email address. I knew that she was going to receive it. I knew that she was going to respond. I'm actually still waiting on her response, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I knew that my email was going to get answered. And be heard. And there's got to be a confidence in you knowing that 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 relationship with God. It says in the scriptures that Jesus is our mediator. It says in the scriptures that Jesus is our intercessor. That Jesus is praying for us. Sometimes I might not know what to pray. I might stumble through my words. Think about the thief on the cross. He just had this little short prayer to Jesus. He's about to die. Jesus, remember me. Jesus responds and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Look at all the prayers and songs that David writes. These these massive, beautiful songs that he's pouring his heart out to God. And we see that David is known as the man after God's own heart. Look at these uh, lepers that, that, that they're just wanting to see Jesus to get healed. And they're saying, heal us, son of David. He doesn't just keep walking. He hears them and he attends to them. No matter if you're praying short prayers or long prayers, good prayers, bad prayers, smart prayers, dumb prayers, just keep praying because he's not done yet listening and answering your prayers. He's hearing you and he wants to respond. Now more than ever is the time to pray and lift up our voice. We're almost done. We're a couple scriptures away. Verses 11 through 13. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Verse 12, do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. And such as breathe out violence, verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The fourth thing I want to remind you that he's not done yet doing is he's not done being good to you. He's not done yet being good to you. Look at verse 13. David makes the statement, I would have lost heart 
The only way I wouldn't have lost heart is because I believed. Now more than ever, people are losing and failing their hearts. They're questioning who God is. Did God send this? Did God cause this? Is God pouring judgment out on America? No, He's not. Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil. Jesus' life mission was to seek and save that which is lost. He's not done being good yet. He's still pouring His mercy out. Remember it says in the Scriptures that where sin abounded, where sin was at its worst, when sin was at its ugliest, when sin is at the most disgusting place that it can be, Romans says that grace abounds so much more in that moment. Praise God. That right now, more than ever, as sin and evil seems to be abounding in this world, thank you, God, that your grace abounds so much more. It's abounding in our lives. It's abounding in this church. It's abounding in your house right now. I would have lost heart unless I believed. David says that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 4. It's one of my favorite verses. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Although a a lion can be as scary, as strong, as fierce as possible, if it's dead, then it can't do anything. But a dog, a living dog, is way more powerful, is way more stronger, is way more active than a dead lion. I want to remind you, as you're watching me today, as you're breathing the air in your house, as you're holding your family together, that means you're still a part of the land of the living. Number one, congratulations. Number two, if you're still a part of the land of the living, then you don't have to lose hope. There is hope. Keep believing and keep looking for the goodness of God. It says in Psalms that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So that means if it's following me, then I should be looking for it. Okay, goodness and mercy is following me. Where's it at in this situation? If you're not seeing goodness, if you're not seeing mercy in a situation, you need to take a step back and start looking for it. Because as a righteous follower of Jesus, that's all that's doing is following you. Your past isn't following you. Your failures aren't following you. Your insecurities aren't following you. Goodness and mercy are following you in the land of the living. There is hope. He's not done being good to you yet. If he was good to you at the beginning of your salvation, then guess how much better he will be in the middle and at the end of your life going into eternity. If he saved you from whatever it is, drugs, sex, and rock and roll, if he saved you from that, and you know that in the sweet by and by, when you step into eternity, you're going to spend forever with him, the streets paved with gold, beautiful trees, the river of life, mansions, his throne, angels, the great cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us. If that's on the end of it, and God saved you out of hell at the beginning of it, how much better is he going to be in the middle? He's not done being good to you yet. And the last thing as I finish up is verse 14. To remind us all, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. In case you didn't know, David wants to remind you again, wait, I say, on the Lord. 
in my Bible, it, it says in, the, in the, the subscript of it, it says, wait in faith on the Lord. The last thing I would remind you is he's not done responding to your faith yet. He's not done with it yet. He's still responding to faith declarations. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. Let this scripture wash over your soul today. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Verse 30, even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fail, fall. Verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. David is reminding us in verse 14, wait on the Lord. Wait in faith on the Lord. Be of good courage right now. In this moment, continue to wait on Him. Continue to stand on His promises. Continue to stand on His book, what He has for you, what He shed in His blood when He sent out that new covenant for you. Continue to wait and see. Remember, hope in the New Testament, hope in the new covenant is not a fingers crossed, I'm I'm hoping that this happens or this happens. No, no. It is an expectation of good to happen. When I'm waiting on the Lord, I am waiting. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm waiting to catch my breath. (coughs) I am waiting on the Lord to help me breathe, that there is an expectation of good that's going to happen on this other side. That although it might look cloudy, it might look dark, it look, might look dreary, it might look like everything's been defeated, everything's been uh, shut down. No, no, no. I'm waiting to see the goodness of God on the other side of this. As we get done with this and you're about to go to lunch, you know, a majority of the time when I'm cooking, or my wife's cooking, or I'm baking, when I put something in the oven... I'm not waiting on it to get burnt. I'm not waiting on it to get soiled. I'm not waiting on it to be bad. There is an expectation when I put something in the oven that it is going to come out way better than when I put it in, and it's going to be delicious. Think about on Thanksgiving Day, the greatest food-eating holiday in the world, that we wake up with the expectation of that turkey in the oven, that juicy meat that's going to come out, We think of the dressing and the sides and the cranberry sauce. We think of grandma's pies. We think of cookies. We think of the time together. And there's not one moment in your mind, maybe in the the women that are cooking, there's not a moment in my mind that I'm expecting that turkey to come out burnt and black. Was it Christmas vacation uh, where they put that turkey in and it comes out and they stab it and it just deflates in front of everybody? Every time, as a young child up till now, when I go into Thanksgiving morning, I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting an amazing piece of food that's about to come out. When I bake cookies, when I bake a pie, when I bake whatever I'm baking, I'm not expecting that to fall apart, to burn, to taste like garbage. I am with full hope and full expectation that when I come out on the other side and I pull that pie out, when I pull that turkey out, when I pull that chicken out, when I pull those burgers off the grill, that they're going to be the best thing that I've ever eaten. Waiting on the Lord is waiting for Him to respond to your faith. That right now, It seems like we're in the oven. Right now it might seem like you're getting cooked at a thousand degrees. There's so much stress. There's so many things coming your way. 
But keep waiting on the Lord that you're going to come out of this fire. And you're going to taste better. You're going to breathe better. You're going to love life more. You're going to see the goodness of God like you've never seen it before. I teach my son what patience is. And I don't like patience just as much as you don't like patience. I don't like waiting for this all to end so that we can be back together. I don't like waiting in lines just like you don't as well, but I've got to teach my son what patience is. And what I tell my son, this is the definition of patience. It's waiting without whining. Waiting without whining. As he's asking us to turn on a video game or fix him something to eat or do this or go outside and do this, I say, hey, we're, we, you got to be patient, buddy. We're trying to do this. We're trying to finish this, trying to take care of your sister. I need you to be patient. I said, and son, what is patient? Being patient means. He says, oh, Dad. I said, what's it mean? Waiting without whining. Because we can do that so much. I'm waiting to see God show up and heal me. I'm waiting to see God show up and save or rectify this situation, to fix this situation. And it's so easy to step out of faith and into whining. Well, God, we're gonna, I guess he's never going to show up. I guess, I guess he doesn't care about me. I guess I just haven't gone to church or read my Bible or prayed enough, so he must hate me. No, no, no. Patience is waiting without whining and speaking the goodness of God. The last scripture that I want to read, and then I finish, is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. I want to remind you that now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Verse 21, to him be the glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Family, remember, he's not done yet. God is still on his throne. He's still in charge and he's still actively wanting to take care of you. Psalms 27 reminds us that he's not done yet protecting you. He's going to protect you from this virus. He's going to protect you from financial failure. He's going to protect you from hell. He's going to protect you from any sickness or disease. He's not done protecting you yet. He's not done with the church yet. He's still building his church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. He's not done listening and answering your prayers. So today, as you go take a shower, as you go take your dog for a walk, as you go and lay down on your pillow tonight, pray one more prayer. Ask Him to help you one more time. Ask Him to meet that need one more time. Because when you pray that prayer one more time, I want to remind you, He's not done being good to you. Surely goodness and mercy is going to follow you all the days of your life. He's going to protect you. He's going to love you. He's going to take care of you. And He's still looking to do good in your life. And the last thing is He's not done responding to your faith. He's not done yet. He's not done yet. He's not done taking care of you. Make that faith statement one more time. Believe that scripture one more time. Step out and declare the goodness of God one more time. Although the situation looks bleak and dark, He is your light and He is your salvation. Remember, this Saturday, we're going to do a, a, a drop-off here at the church from 11 to 2. Please come stop by and pick you up a bag. Uh, we'll give you some communion. We'll give you some... Uh, Easter eggs for your kids and some coloring pages. That way we can have an awesome Easter service. Watch out for the video that's going to be dropping later this week, giving you more information about the pickup Saturday from 11 to 2. And then we're going to come together online and have the best Easter service that ever 
has happened in Press Church. We are going to celebrate the goodness of God. So share this video. Share uh, all the videos that we're posting so that we can get these people out in the community. We can get them faith. We can get them hope. We can get them the love of God in there. Let me pray over you, and we will be done. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that your scripture reminds us that you are not done yet. Father, I thank you that you're not done yet with the people that are watching. You're not done yet with the people in this community, in this county. You're not done yet with the people in America. You're not done yet with the church and the people in this world. You are still on the throne. You are still in charge. You are still uh, over us. You're still teaching us. You're still guiding us. You're still helping us. You're still loving us. Father, be with your people today. Lift them up. Hold them upright today. Wherever they're at in their house, let your anointing and your presence and your voice speak to them like they've never heard it before. Thank you that you've encouraged us to look for your protection. You've encouraged us to be a part of your church still. You've encouraged us to pray and look for your answers. You've encouraged us to see the goodness of God around us. You've encouraged us to step out in faith one more time. So, Father, bless your people, protect your people, answer their prayers today. Father, let miracle signs and wonders flow in these people's lives. Thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Thank you that by Jesus' stripes they are healed. Thank you that right now we are the salt and light of the earth, and we can, everywhere we go, be that salt and light that people are attracted to us so that we can share this gospel message. Father, bless your people, protect your people, and cause them to prosper in everything they do. Bring them back safely on Easter weekend. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. We will see you next time. Look for that video this week. Amen. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.